Welcome to Politics Welcome. and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. We are going to have a great show for you today. As I always say, good morning, Houston. Good morning, Northeast Texas. Good morning, Texas and the entire country. We have a great interview today. Bring insights into, well, let's say bring insights again. Anyhow, how are my favorite folks doing in the studio? El Senor Van Beber and El Senor Reynolds. How are you guys doing this morning? Well, I'm still saluting my radio here. We had to start off the day with a national anthem, for if, if for no other reason but for fun. Well, uh, it's our national anthem, man. It's our national anthem. Van Beber, right, what's man. up? Good morning, Egberto. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I got a little ditty here I wrote this morning. Uh, order of the universe, growth and decay. The old need to make way for the new. Big oil, big energy, you need to give up the financial grip they hold on the economy and the power and influence over society. Give the power to the new generations. Stand back, watch the world grow in a new, amazing direction. 713-526-5738. Extension uh, number two. I love it. I love it. I love it. Folks, if you're going to call to say something, call now because I have a fairly long interview and then we'll take uh, calls again after the interview. So please give, if you have something, hey, I needed to tell Egberto this now. You get a minute and a half to call me up right now and then we go to an interview I think you guys are going to like. You know, it's about, the, let, let, let me tell you the story as I, as I wait for a call. I, I got an email, right? And I get emails, a whole ton of emails every day. And this particular one stood out, right? This was from a right-wing abortion, uh, uh, rather anti-abortion <coughs> abortion activist. They like to call themselves pro-life. I call it anti-abortion, as most people should, because uh, pro-life is believing in policies that support everybody, policies that create life, policies that maintains life. It turns out that many folks on the, uh, on the right, that is not effectively what the policies do. So when I got this email, the email said, uh, I, I watch your show. I would love to be on your show. And uh, I am... I am I'm a pro-life person to the time. Give me the whole shield and started to tell me that, you know, I guess how wrong we are on the lefties. You know, the lefties are so wrong about the issue. I said, okay, nice. I immediately replied and I said, can you do the interview tonight? And she said, yes. And that's what we're going to play right now. Haven't got any calls. So let's go ahead and get that started. And I'll take calls after the interview. It's a long one, but we'll get through this. So here we go right now. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today, we are honored to have Jacinta Robin. Jacinta Robin is the director of the intern program at the Center for Bioethical Reform. She is a pro-life renowned speaker. She is a Jacksonville, Florida resident and is on the state board of Florida Right to Life. Welcome to Politics Done Right. Jacinta, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Well, you know, I had I I had to talk to you, especially in these times where we're having this large fight about pro-life, pro this or, or that sort of thing. First of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you're doing what you're doing? 
Sure, absolutely. Um, I got hired with CBR about two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. They invited me to take over their summer intern program, and I agreed to do it. I'm a Florida resident, and mm-hmm. they are in Tennessee. So that should show my commitment. I agree to come up here just for the summer to run the summer intern program because I'm passionate about this work. I want the next generation of pro-life activists to know what I know and what I've learned over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm 34. Um, I know I look young, but I'm 34. I learned about what abortion was when I was 17. Let me ask you to stop before we get there, because what I'd like to know is sure. I'd like to know a little bit about your history, maybe the, uh, your religion, how you grew up, that sort of a thing. Ah, oh, I see. Okay. I was raised Catholic. And I have maintained um, that faith. So I am a present practicing Catholic. Um, that was a part of what led me to doing pro-life work. Um, we actually have a stance where we're against birth control and we are against abortion at all stages of development. Um, I am from a family of seven. So we have two in heaven. And I have uh, four remaining siblings. I'm the first of all of them. Um, Meaning you're the eldest. I'm the eldest. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a lot of fun. It's a lot of responsibility. So I'm right in my element doing the intern program because I'm mentoring. And that's just something I feel like I've done my whole life is showing people what to do. Um, That's just kind of how life was growing up. So I'm very acclimated to that. Now, you mentioned earlier that uh, you you you, con- you maintain the Catholic stance, which is uh, no birth control or uh, you, you believe in absolutely no, no, no contraception. And as far as abortion is controlled at no stage, you do you believe in abortion? Correct. No artificial birth control. Um, we do. We do promote abstinence, mm-hmm. um, even within a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up to you to control mm-hmm. when you want to come together as a couple. Mm-hmm. We feel like that's in your purview. That's up to you. But mm-hmm. when that intimate encounter happens, should that result in a conception, you are now parents mm-hmm. of a very tiny person. Mm-hmm. So so that is, that is your core belief. Your core belief is that uh, that that as far as uh, no contraception and that also uh, life begins at conception. Yes. And it was actually my faith that drove me into the direction of pro-life activism, but it was in a very curious way. So I started college early. I started when I was 16 and I was a biology major. Mm-hmm. So I could see the baby, the one celled embryo. Mm-hmm. And I was conflicted because that one cell to me did not look like a baby. Mm -hmm. And yet, as a Catholic, I needed to uphold the belief that this was an entity that should not be harmed Mm -hmm. and it should not be expelled at will. So I had a conflict in my own heart. I could see that this was a cell, a single cell organism on day one. And yet the church was saying, you cannot abort in the earliest stages. So essentially, I was pro-choice up until the point that the baby looked like a baby. And I had a bit of a problem. I didn't want to just ignore what the church taught. So I did some research. And what I found was very jarring. 
I remember I was at work. I worked as a tutor at the school for biology. And it was a Saturday. We didn't have a whole lot of students come in. So I had a whole lot of free time on my hands. And I went and I took myself to the computer and I said, I need to solve this problem. I need to figure out why the church is so insistent that at all stages of development, you should not abort. So I went to Google <clears throat> and I looked up abortion. I looked up early, early abortion. I looked up a, um, I can't remember exactly the words I put in, but I made sure that it was early. And what I found was a second trimester abortion. And had to be about 14 weeks. And I was shocked at how developed the child was. And I realized two things. I realized number one, that looked like a small human. And in my mind, I thought it wouldn't look like a small human. I thought it would look more like a clump of cells, which is what we hear all the time. I was shocked that at 14 weeks, it kind of looked like a human being. I didn't know that. What I also realized was that all of us develop at different rates. Some of us get taller faster. Some of us get wider faster. Babies develop at different rates. They're usually, they're usually in the same range, but none of us grows at the exact same rate. So you're dealing with laws that are being passed, cutting off at hard breaks, 20 weeks. You can't abort past 20 weeks. But how does this politician know that the baby you're carrying isn't hyperdeveloped at 20 weeks and it can feel pain and it could survive outside of the womb? Right now at 20 weeks, they have a 50% chance of survival. So it was, it was so, it encompassed so many scenarios that it wasn't fair for there to be a hard break. I realized that we were putting this responsibility of drawing a line on people's development when everybody develops at a different rate. So then the argument is, well, we should just draw that line when it doesn't look like a baby among the earliest stages of development, which is why you're getting a lot of heartbeat bills now, which is, in my opinion, a good thing. At the very least, they're stopping it at six weeks. Um, some states are still at 15 weeks. North Carolina is considering a 12-week bill. So you kind of see everybody's kind of on that same mindset. It's like, when do we draw this line? Where do we draw that hard break where we can say, look, at this point, we know it's not human. It can't possibly be human. It doesn't look like a human being. Okay, that's where they are right now. But if they're being honest with themselves, they're doing too much. Nobody should take on that responsibility to determine when your life has value. And at what point your development determines how eligible you are now to be considered a part of society. Because the second you draw a line on a seamless, a seamless process of development, you're lying to yourself. Because in biology, once you get started, once that embryo is conceived, it just continues. It doesn't tell you when it, quote unquote, becomes a human being. So now you're given the burden of determining when that magical moment is. And that's dishonest because nobody has a good answer for that. That's why all these states are on different sides of the issue. So I take the approach that if it's alive and if it's human, it's a human who is being. It is a human being. And our Constitution protects 
human beings. So that embryo deserves protection under the law. So at that point, I know it's a bitter truth, right? Everybody's going through after they hear my explanation. They either want me to shut up or keep going. So did I, <laughs> did I ever once uh, ask you to shut up? No, no. But I, I know your viewers are probably going to be like, oh, boy. No, that won't be my viewers in this interview. That's going to be me. But I want to hear your entire frame. I because what, what I do, let me, let, let me be clear to you. Mm-hmm. I, I always listen with the expectation that I can find some relevancy or some truth in what I'm hearing to see if you are going to change any one of my stances. because. My theory is as follows. If we are truly a society made up of intelligent people, we should be able to listen to each other and rationalize what each other says. And after that rationalization, come to a conclusion. So I, that's why I asked you about your upbringing in the beginning, et cetera, because I wanted to know who you were or who you are. Is there something else that you want to add to that? long prose because I think I am ready to answer quite a few of those unless you have additional information you'd like to add to that. Um, I would just say once I resolved that question in my heart, I started volunteering. And every day I was doing something, something that I could to help advance the pro-life movement because I was convicted. Okay, great, and that's that's great. Based on your based on your Catholic upbringing. By the way, I'm original from Central America. I was a born Catholic. I and saw then, that. Yeah. yeah. And then after <laughs> that, I became from a Catholic. I became a Baptist. From a Baptist, I went to the University of Texas. Became a Maranatha, which is one of those sort of third party type uh, Christian okay. churches. And after uh, after I found out that uh, certain things about the Christian religion, I left church altogether and became a humanist. So all, the only thing that I'm worried about is. Uh, the the um, the success of humanity, if you will. That said, um, I be, I believe in the faith that you have and the, and the, and what you believe in, and that's fine. My first question to you, however, is uh, that is what you believe, and that is your religion. Uh, yes. That's what that is. Now, uh, in, in a in a pluralistic society like ours, multi religion, no religion, whatever. Um, how do you dare ask others to simply fall in line with what you believe? And I'm not talking abortion right now, because if, if you okay. can do that with a, if you can do that with an abortion, you can do that with just about anything. We can make my religion be preeminent to what needs to be done. And I think as nice as you are, as sweet as you are, uh, when you when when the statements that you're making are neither sweet or nice, because. In effect, you're saying, do it my way. So your comments on that. Okay. Well, I think that's a good question. And I would separate um, some of what was mentioned here. So I decided to respect the idea that life starts at conception because my faith challenged me. Right to learn more about the issue. Mm -hmm. I don't think that this is a religious question, though. You don't think that, right? I don't. I don't think that. 
So when we're out, our organization, when we go out, we do activism. A lot of times on college campuses, we'll have students come up to us and they'll say, you know, is this a religious organization? Are you guys trying to push your faith and your beliefs on us? And we say, no, this is not a religious organization. We are a science-based organization. So we are the Center for Bioethical Reform. We're targeting biological issues with an ethical perspective. So a lot of people would agree. Yes. Pause. Uh, because we, we have to be intentional here. Whose ethics? That's, a, that's an excellent question. And this is why I'm trying to segue into my next topic. Right now in Denmark, I believe, there are no Down syndrome people. Okay, they've cured, they, they've attested to curing Down syndrome. You wanna know how they did that? They did that by testing embryos in the womb to see if they tested positive for trisomy 21. And if that gene was present, they recommended to the mother that she abort. And these mothers did. So now Down syndrome, it's been eradicated, yeah. I'll tell you another one. Right now in China, you have more boys than girls. How do we get that? Usually in the population, okay, the way that human beings reproduce, you'll typically get more girls than boys. Um, I uh, a fertility specialist who's a friend of mine, she uh, said, if you if you go to bed with your husband and that night there's an egg present in your womb you're going to get a boy. If you go to bed with your husband and tomorrow there's an egg in your womb, you're going to get a girl. They call it lazy sperm. That that one gives you a girl, but the day of gives you a boy. It's hard to get it to happen that day of. So by default, most pregnancies are females, okay? But China has a very curious problem. There are more boys than girls, okay? India also has that problem because the girls are more expensive. When you're marrying them off, you have to marry them off with dowries. So all of a sudden, you're seeing these weird imbalances in the population, and it's abortion that's allowing this to happen. So now we're dealing with ethics, and I would not. Argue no, no, no. That. Actually, I will argue that. I would. I would argue that that now we're dealing with your ethics. Let me give an example because you, in in using the Down syndrome example, right? I could mm -hmm. actually make the ethical. I could make the ethical argument that says. If we can, if if we can avoid Down syndromes, yeah. that more of the other kids would live. I could make an ethical statement that says, let, let 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 me expand a little bit more. I find that your concern for an embryo, or a, a clump of cells, or to some extent the lack of a concern for the carrier of the baby, I would find that in my of in my opinion unethical. Why would I find it unethical? And that's why I said, who's ethics, right? Mm -hmm. I would find it unethical because um, I find that we put so much effort into an embryo that after the, the kids are born, the same folks who have the ideology of conservatism and non-abortion, etc., they will not support the policies that make the born kids live. So, I am saying if we want to talk ethics, if, if this was an, a real ethical issue, and as opposed to what you're, you're uh, the people you go to the universities that talk about it being a religious issue, which I think it's still a religious issue, 
if it were a real ethical issue, we would say, wait a minute. We, we care about the embryos, but when the embryos are turned into humans and born, we don't have the policies that keep them alive. We don't have the policies that prevent them from going to jail. We don't have these particular sets of policies. So it's not an ethical problem if you will allow death at the end stage, but you're trying to save something that isn't yet born. Okay. Again, I would separate the issue. So we're dealing with two issues here. We mm -hmm. have the problem of should we treat pre-born children differently than should we than the way we treat born children? That's one problem. Because if a two-year-old was born and he was born in a very poor environment, there was no food, there was no water, we would not address the problem of him having no food and no water by killing him. No, we so wouldn't. Right now, no, we wouldn't. So we right would feed now, them. Right. Now but, all of a sudden but, but, we want to take but care you don't of them. Want, but you don't want to feed them. I and I and I will not. Deny. No, no, I, I'm, no, that's that. What I just said was a statement of fact. If you take yeah, a look I'm at the budget, that. I'm saying yeah. we're dealing with two issues. Well, we're right. dealing with two issues. We're dealing with the mother who has to get food stamps to take care of her child, mm -hmm. who's also encouraged to birth her child and not abort it because she doesn't have the money to feed her. Exactly. Courage. Right. This is a big problem. I, right. I understand that. But I will also tell you this. Right now, I'm an African-American woman. Obviously, you're a person of color. Right now in New York City, more African-American children are aborted than born. Time wait, wait, wait. Uh, no, no, that, it, I, I saw that message in, I, I, you know, I normally don't interrupt my, my, the person on the interview, but uh, okay. what, ha what happens too often is we try, we're not, we're not talking race here. The, the abortion issue is not a racial issue, no matter how the right would try to make it a racial issue. It, they're, they're, how it wouldn't be a racial issue. It's not a racial issue at all. I mean, it, it's, a, it's an abortion issue. And, and what the, the right would often do is bring race into the discussion so that people's emotions will start saying, oh, that's racist or that's not racist. The thing about it is white women, Black women, Latino women, Asian women all have abortions. The reason why black women have abortion at a, uh, in some instances at a larger rate is because of the socioeconomic conditions. It has very little to do with anything other than that. Uh, black women are just as promiscuous as white women are just as promiscuous as Asian women. All of those things are, I'm using promiscuity only because the right oh, likes to use they're, that. They're getting pregnant, right? They wouldn't be right. having the abortions if they weren't getting pregnant. I understand that. But I would I would challenge you to look at the situation that we have here, right? Mm -hmm. um, African-American women are making up 14% of the population. Yes. That's generous. I'm afraid it might be less than that. It's 13% um, actually. Yeah, I, I would imagine it'll be closer to that. And right now, they are leaning to having almost 50% of all the abortions. They are almost 40% of all the abortions that are being taken place. So that's, that I, is, that is something that's to be expected given the socioeconomic differences. If you, if you take a look at the, the, the value, what, what these two different societies have, that's not at all, that's not at all off key kilter at all. Well, the problem, but I would, I would, I would still say you have encountered a complex problem mm -hmm. and you're not going to, you would not be doing the right thing by 
being the mercenary mm -hmm. to fix one problem and ignore the other problem. Good point. But Very I think good that's point. You see, I don't. Th I mean, first of all, that is an excellent point that you brought there. We don't want to be mercenaries, but I'll tell you something, uh, just uh, Jacinta. The reality is, uh, bringing black kids into an America today, right? When you're poor or otherwise, it it is not at all inconceivable to me why one would want to abort kid kids, not kids, abort fetuses before they become what I consider a human being. Let me first tell you, I don't, I have a daughter, a little bit younger than you are, all right? And I don't want my daughter to have an abortion. I don't want my, I don't want any of those things for my daughter. Women don't have abortions for the sake of having abortions. We have an evil economic system in America. Very, I mean, conservatives like to sing glory, glory, hallelujah. That's not the truth. I, I, I would urge you as a conservative uh, to, to listen to my programs and be, come and be a part of my programs, because I can tell you something. We have an evil economic system and the abortion situation can be cured if we actually had a humane economic system that provided and contraceptives in a society that's not going to run away from sex. And if we also had care. There are a lot of people, if we had a humane society, uh, we would actually have kids. There's a lot of women who are born in kids, which they just cannot afford. Okay. Well, I have a few rebuttals on that. And I need to know how much time you have. <laughs> well, we, we have about six more minutes, so go ahead. Okay. Well, what I would say to what you mentioned is that the real problem here is we cannot confirm we cannot come to agreement on what the preborn actually is and that's because fine. that would that would eliminate everything if society could come to agreement on what was actually inside of the woman that would put every other law in place every other privilege and practice in place if we could all come to agreement that it is not a human being inside of the womb then let her do whatever she wants and don't be sad about it don't say it's a tragic thing if a woman has to have an abortion. Why? It's just a clump of cells. I don't think people really believe that. No, I, I don't believe that. Know. I don't. I think you're they know right. something really weird no, no, is happening when an abortion you, takes place. You are so. I mean, you see, I don't want to deny. You know, and that's why I said the issue is with. I mean, I, I believe. I believe in that, but we as a society determine where life begins. Okay. Oh, that's, do we? Know? Yes, I mean you uh, religiously. Oh, yeah, let me explain this. What I mean by that, your religion, as a Catholic, you can attest to what your religion tells you where life begins. Biologically speaking, uh, we can, you know, there, there, uh, as from a point of laws, we can say where things begin and how we are going to interpret it in law. This doesn't have anything to do with that. religion. I would challenge that. Biologists, no, no. 5,000 biologists came together. I need to check the numbers on this, but no, no, you're, again, I know what you're going to say. 5,000 biologists came together, and they have confirmed Jacinta, that life starts at conception. So there's Jacinta, no that's question. Fine. Jacinta, Jacinta, when a sperm meets an egg, it, it turns into a cygot, et cetera, it, it's fine. And, right. and I'm saying, I don't care what the biologists say. I'm an engineer. I do not care what the biologists say from a legal standpoint. We have the right as a society to determine 
where life begins. If you have another religious option. But you're not determining where life begins because you just have said that life starts. No, no, no. I am saying we determine where the value of that life begins. That's what you're actually, determining. Actually, I, I, I stand corrected. I think I think the way you said it was better. I think the way you said it was better. Okay. So now, so, but the fact that I'm saying is this, if you believe something about your body and what you want to do, the only thing that, and by the way, I take exception to a pro-life movement. I am a pro-life person. I believe in your life. I will do everything to save you as a living human being. Okay. You know what I don't believe in? I don't believe in your in 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 your dictatorial notion to tell another human being what they must what do for some what and not only that, what they must be compelled to carry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's all. I'm saying if you have a belief system, I want you to live in your belief system and I want you to preach for your belief system. I want you to do all of that. I just don't want you to influence my belief system. And well, I think I that is you. I agree with you. You are of the pretext of my body, my choice. I cannot agree with you more. And if that woman is carrying another body and she's being honorably consistent to that value setup, then she should also honor the baby's body. No, that's not that that is that is a false equivalence. Let me let me tell you why. Because again, if she believes like I do that a a, a full fully formed human being is not one until birth, then that's not the case. And 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 again, and I think the, the, the truth of the matter is, I think, and I'm not talking about you as a person, but you as a movement has been one of the most killing movements there are. Not you Why per you se, that? not you. Why do you say that? I say that because, first of all, with, with the stance that women just can't have abortions, Women with ectopic pregnancies and all of that have died. But let's go a little bit further. Uh, we've had um, uh, men who uh, perform abortions murdered. I, I had to take, I did an expose right here in Houston where the, they, they terrorize women going in to get abortions. There's nothing. Look, if you if you feel so badly about abortion, try to stop abortions from happening. Love on somebody. Give somebody bad about abortion. You said you feel bad about abortions, too. I I feel let me tell you why I feel bad about abortions. Okay, because I don't know. I I accept my ignorance. Okay. Ah, so now we don't know. Right now we don't know. No, no, no. Uh, Don't get technical with me in that regard. It's okay to not know. It is but it's okay. not okay to determine someone's value if you don't know. Oh uh, no no no! So, I, actually, that's not entirely true because our values and you as a black woman, your value was determined and it still is determined right now because of this pigmentation of your skin. In a capitalist society, your value is much less than the value of a woman with the exact same characteristic as you. I, and that's another subject that I won't yeah, get into. Yeah, that's a different we topic. We, yeah, it's another topic. We won't get into that. But what I'm saying is. Let's not in my no, I won't say that. Uh, let's I'm, I'll say it in a let's form. Let's not be naive to the reality that in society today we make choices and not only choices do we make, we make we balance our choices. And once we determine that uh, things become better, I mean, I look, you you're going to have a kid sometime, I, I imagine, if you don't have one already and you are going to give. What's we'll it again? I hope so. Right. And you will have your values that you want to put into your kid. 
work on that. You have your sphere of influence. Work on that. In fact, if you want to go around colleges and tell folks you shouldn't have abortions, do that. But when you start codifying into law what your belief system says that you want others to do, that is my problem. I have no problem with you as but a person. But you're going to do that anyway. Are you a voter? Absolutely. Okay, Every so time. when you go to the ballot, you are imposing your belief on someone else's body. No, no, we are in a democracy, right? We, we live in a constitutional republic, but even even more so in a democracy. If we were a pure democracy and it was mob rule, it was majority rule. Well, yeah, yeah, there you we're go. We're going let to lean one way or another. No, so no, if here's you go the, to that ballot, you my are dear, impacting someone my dear, else's life, right? There are two things that we have in the Constitution, and, and I hate that the, the people on the right don't do a good job in doing this. But the Constitution, one of the fights for the Constitution was to have something called the Bill of Rights. And the purpose of the Bill of Rights was to prevent mob rule. So when I hear uh, when I hear um, people talk about mob rule and democracy, no, we can have a real democracy with a Bill of Rights. We don't need a a representative republic, as as a lot of Republicans would like okay. to say, see, because that's a fallacy. We have a real democracy as long as we can provide, uh, we can make sure that everybody's rights guaranteed, and that is what I want. And what I'm saying is that it should be what you want. We shouldn't be having this debate about abortion. We should actually be having the debate about keeping people alive, about making sure people have the type of health care that they need to survive. When I hear you, my dear, beautiful lady, and I don't mean to be sexist, but when I hear yeah. you talk about abortion, I would ask you to put that same passion into healthcare because there's a hell of a lot more people dying because of lousy healthcare provided by conservatives as opposed to abortion we, that we people have, have to take. Come up to us and tell us all the time. Why don't you push more of your efforts in all these other areas in taking care of born children and helping children get adopted to good and families? That's and a true thing. Yes. Okay, yes. but I would I would ask you this. Why are not the people who are doing all those other ways of helping society improve doing anything for the pro-life movement? Why aren't they I, ever asked they, to do Wait, wait, wait. It's, let, let's look. It's, it's, the, it's not the pro-life movement. It is the anti-abortion movement because I am pro-life. I believe okay. in your life and everybody's tell. life. Okay. It is the anti-abortion movement. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with the anti-abortion movement. Just keep it to those who want it. Okay. Were you against the abolitionists that pushed back against slavery? Or, or were you in favor of what they, of their, I, of their the efforts? I, I, look, and, and you're going to make a very good point right there. I can, I can read I the point. I have to, because they said sunlight was the best remedy to the yes. problem that was slavery. I, and they also I, said that there were no institutional frameworks in place to make it so that these newly freed slaves would have good lives. That's the same argument used to enshrine abortion. I, We're not going to give them great lives. You know, I love the way that is usually stretched, right? And that's fine. You know as well as I do that nobody wants to see partial births. Nobody wants right. to see all these things. Nobody. Right. And, and, and also, I think if you want to be honest, uh, this and the reason why I don't call you a pro-life movement, I call you an anti-abortion anti movement. I, I take that as a compliment, and that's fine. And but we need to get our nomenclatures or narrative correct. I believe that I leave 
just I want Jacinta to be able to do and I'm gonna we're we're way over, but I've uh you know I All enjoy right. I really enjoyed talking to you because we're not having a shouting match. Uh I don't know. Uh, let me tell you, there's nothing that you said. I wanted you to change something in my mind because like I said, I am whenever I get into these discussions, I'm hoping that I learned something that kept you so passionate at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, and there are times that my mind is not changed necessarily, but modified in the way that I, I believe something. Unfortunately, okay. you didn't do that because what I continue oh. to see, no, and this is not a, this is not a, a negative statement at all. Uh, what I what I hear from you is what I it's it, it's the same narrative, right? Uh, okay, you're, so you're hearing the buzzwords, and you're tired of the buzzwords. I, I'm not, but but what I'm saying is, it's not just buzzwords that I'm hearing. It is it is almost an uncaring, right? Uh, for why most women, and I didn't say all, it's mm-hmm. almost an uncaring for what a lot of women go through when and they're I, going to have an abortion. I can sympathize with you on that. I can sympathize with you on that. If I'm talking to girls who are considering their options, it is challenging because it's a lot easier to argue with a law than it is to convince a person to keep a baby, right? It's a lot easier to argue with a congressional member than it is to argue with a woman that is in crisis that needs help. So to that, I agree. This is callous because I want the issue to be black and white. With a woman who does need help, who is confused and doesn't know what to do, compassion is in order. And I agree with you. But we need to be clear about what that compassion is. Compassion is not gaslighting. And compassion is not ignoring the full story. Women want to keep their children. The reason why they abort is because they feel they are unsupported and because they have been lied to about what they are aborting. A lot of women who miscarry at nine weeks or who abort at nine weeks, who abort at home, they see what was delivered from their body. They attest that this is not a blob of tissue. They're looking at a very small human being, but it's not a blob of tissue. And groups that abort for women regularly are regularly lying to them. That is problem number one. Problem number two is support. If a girl sees her unborn child on a sonogram, she's 85% more likely to keep her baby. That's the issue of it not being a blob of tissue that was corrected. If her boyfriend is there and agrees to help her with that pregnancy, that number goes up from 85% to 95%. Why? Because now she has the support to take care of her child. We have a maternal instinct to take care of the child that is within us. It is I, unnatural. Know, to I, you know, what, is so, what is so amazing with all that you're saying right there is you're actually making the points. The, you're just about making the points of the uh, those of us who are really pro-lifers, those of us who are really pro-choicers. And the reason why is that is something that we've always said. If we had a support system, abortions would go away. Now, it's not about not how it's not about this fight that you you see, you are fighting, in my opinion, the wrong fight. 
You should be fighting the healthcare fight. You should be fighting the fight to support women. You should be fighting. Those are the fights that you should have. I'm going to wait for the time that you're going to go home and you're going to think things, or well, you're probably home already, but you're going to think things through and you're going to say at some time, that guy that I just sent that letter to that brought me on, just maybe he had a tad of stuff that I can actually change within my Yes. Stance. Yes. I will say I learned a lot from this interview. And so, if if that's I, the approach that I need to take to get effective change accomplished, I will do that. And let me tell and, and like I said, if, if you really want to be a difference, you can be, but go where the problem really is. The problem isn't telling a woman, don't abort. The problem is saying, and you had the answer. It's not me. You had the answer. Where well, people you. are supported. Mm-hmm. Abortion goes away. Oh yeah, women don't want abortion. But again, until that occurs, abortion will remain, and I want it to remain because abortion is also an economic issue. If you, Jacinta, if something happened to you, God forbid, and I won't use the word. No, I understand. And something happened to you, mm-hmm. a bright young woman with a life ahead of her, that would materially change your life. And to tell me that you will never, ever consider, I just may have to do this because when I weigh things out here, that's the issue. Don't ever put yourself in that condition, in my humble opinion, that is. So Jacinta, let me tell you, I I enjoyed the conversation. You're a very smart woman and you'll be, I mean, very smart woman. And uh, you you make, you can, uh, are you a lawyer? I know. <laughs> You know, um, so uh, my, but my dad but, is a poli sci major, and we argue all the time. So maybe yeah, I should think about yeah. that. But 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 uh, if you really, in my opinion, if you you, you can do so much more good for women <laughs> uh, on the other side of the aisle. So uh, really I consider that, that because um, those are the women who need help. We don't need the attacks. Yes, what we need are the help on women. So thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Jacinta Robin. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. I see that Moses is waiting. Moses, sorry for keeping you that long, but it went over. Talk to me. Okay. (laughs) Well, I have to say good morning. Good morning, Moses. How are you doing? I'm fine. There is something called gullibility. And uh, what do you, where do you see most gullible people are the people who have eyes to see and they are blind. Religious zealotry lets it prelate death. Slavery, past and present, has aborted millions of human beings. And this woman who said she's a black woman cannot understand that, can only see in front of her toes and refuse to look deeper to see the deep meaning of abortion. And to understand that the the church and whatever it is, whatever um, she's trying to uphold, are the ones who have been committing abortion in this country and ever as long as possible up to this day. Again, she says she seems to be very religious, whatever. 
she should know judgment belongs to God. And if she understood the scriptures well, she should remember David's child was not allowed to live. Why? Because David had committed a sin. So God told David, you will go to the child, but he will not return to you. Let them get an understanding instead of being taught by the precepts of men. And one thing, after listening to her round and round, there's a proverb that says, go from the presence of a foolish person when you perceive not in them the way of understanding. You could have beat this woman with a mortar pestle. She would never understand because she is just, she is just deceived. And again, to end what I'm saying is the business of abortion belongs between the woman, her doctor, and her God. It is not the business of government who themselves are the ones raping young girls and doing all that. It is not the business of government to go in between the legs of a woman to test her like a chicken to see if she's pregnant, then to go and make laws to prevent her from take, doing her personal business, to prevent her from deciding the way she chose to um, control her life. And that's all I'm going to say. Thank you so kindly for that, Moses. I just want to add one thing. I, I, I really like listening to all sides. And if you notice, I think, uh, in, I, I think if, you, if you listen to the end of that interview, uh, she, she opened her mind to do some thinking. Uh, it, it, things like that have to be nurtured. Uh, we have a, a system that has really screwed people's minds up, not only on the abortion issue, but on the economic issue, etc. Just like she has been confused and fooled about what is ethical and what is moral based on her belief, so has most Americans been confused on an economic system and a whole lot of other things. So while we may say how confused she is on the abortion issue. The amazing thing is that so many more of us are confused about other things as well. And one of the things I like to do with listening to everybody is giving me the opportunity with the same respect I give folks to, uh, that I listen to them, that they also would listen to me. So I thank you so kindly for your statements as well, Moses. I understand that. And I do hope, I do hope she goes and she goes and studies too. Show herself approved. Thank Not you, my sister. Okay, Th bye-bye. You have a wonderful day. Uh, let's go to Michelle. Michelle, come on in, and then we'll go to Tag. Hi, uh, yeah, I think I missed part of that conversation with Moses, but I did catch that one with Jacinta, and I work in healthcare, and she was adamant for all women. No one person right to speak for all race, all economic backgrounds, all genders. She said that women don't want abortion. You can't speak for them. You can only speak for yourself. I work in healthcare. There are plenty of women who come in for an abortion and they want an abortion. Now, whether it's for economic, for whatever reason going on in their household or in their background, they chose to have that and they should have that right to choose whether they get an abortion or not. And it's really not our 
to why they chose that. Now, if you want to offer them wraparound services and say, oh, because we're going to offer wraparound services, abortion will decrease, that's fine. But you can't or you should not want to take away a woman's right to choose what she does with her future and her child. That's not right. Michelle, let me... Yeah, Michelle, but stay on a while. Let me let me just say, um, I was not trying to be this, this presumptuous in, when I also acknowledge that most women don't uh, want abortions. What I guess uh, I, I should have said is, uh, and first of all, I also believe ev- every woman should have complete autonomy over their bodies. That's not my choice. That's your choice. I assume you're a woman. That's your choice, right? Now, that said... Uh, uh, the fact that somebody comes in for abortion means that they don't want the results, whatever is occurring in them, and and I think that is a position that I'm I am I'm I'm, I'm coming from, not from a position of being over a woman or, or or speaking for a woman, but saying what the woman is actually doing. If a woman comes in, uh, it means that she doesn't want what is currently occurring in her body, and I think you would concur with me on that, Michelle. Exactly. That's not, that wasn't my, my concern. My concern was just simply saying that all women don't want an abortion, that we have a maternal instinct to take care of our children. True. But if you cannot take care of your children, you also have a maternal instinct to take care of yourself. I agree. You cannot provide for yourself, then you cannot provide for a child. And everyone should know that that's common sense. That's A plus B equals C. So if you're right. already now, in poverty, you're already Michelle? whatever your economic situation is. Michelle, you're you're right. Now, in in speaking to people, however, and I think that it is my duty again uh, to listen to see where people are, and I think we sh- we should for those of us who can try to do that. I think we should all do that because again, there are enough of these people out there that look at how the laws have changed in several of these states. We have to get to these folks because you know what they're voting too. So that's the stance I take uh, in trying to bring minds together. Anything else you want to say, Michelle, before I jump on to tag? That was it. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. All right, let's go to tag. Come on in, tag. Morning, Edberto. How are you? I'm fine, sir. Great. One thing I just blows my mind is that these pro-life people, they aren't really very forthcoming about when there is no life there anymore. And the fact that abortion covers such a huge range of situations, kind of like what you were alluding to, is that if there is no life, you still may ha- need to have an abortion. And these, these pro-life people don't talk about that at all. I, I think it's a shame that, that they don't uh, cover that topic. And the other thing, that really blew me my mind about this this gal is she went right off about talking about China and talking about what is it uh you know you In, know these uh, Denmark other- Denmark where there's no Down syndromes yeah 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 exactly thank you that's what I was thinking about you know and it's not that doesn't directly apply to us we're not really headed in that direction. And so to try to bring that, if she wants to fight that battle, she needs to go to China or she needs to go to Denmark. I mean, you know, the the, the uh, pro-life movement, they don't need to throw that in our face, you know. And, and so if you take 100% of what's called an abortion in this country and you're really looking at what's a viable fetus that's being aborted, it probably goes down to 10, 15%. You know, I mean, it's 
twenty percent, maybe. The the fact is is that the anti-abortion uh, moniker covers so many different things, and and the pro-life people don't really want to talk about that at all. So that's kind of what I wanted to say. Yeah, well, you know, Michelle. I think Michelle laid, when Michelle called in, Michelle laid it out right, and and and, and I think that's a stance most of us uh, true pro-lifers have, right? I mean, I notice I'm I'm calling Michelle a pro-lifer. I am not going to allow, and I told, you heard me tell that to Jacinta as well. I don't allow them to walk away with that moniker. I am pro-life. Howard is pro-life. Van Beber is pro-life. Jack is pro-life. Augie is pro-life. Tag is pro-life. We believe in the life of the living. We believe in maintaining those who are alive. That is what we believe in. So, I mean, uh, they are anti-abortion. And she acknowledged that as well. So that is where we, 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 we have to keep, we can't use their naming conventions. We have to use the real naming convention. Anyway, Tag, anything else before I jump to Augie? That's, that's it. Thanks, Humberto. Have a good day. Thank you, brother. You have a great day. Come on in, brother Augie. Uh, good morning, Egberto. I like to start to the show with the national anthem. I almost got up to attention and saluted. <laughs> well, you know, you know Howard, man. <laughs> Howard is going to keep us at attention. Yeah. 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 And that thing about uh, pro-life. Yeah, you're right. Uh, somehow people have forgotten history. Um, we've had abortions in the 50s and 60s, 70s. And when uh, there were all these anti-abortion laws and they had teachers and nurses and housewives that had abortions because there wasn't any health care plan for these women. And uh, and uh, if these pro-lifers really care, they should go into a Planned Parenthood center and see these lines of women, young and middle-aged. Uh, they're not happy or and all that. They're, they're sad. They're making these choices that are you know important to them uh, that they may not want but for whatever reason that's what they're doing and these pro-lifers like you said they're not life they're, they're anti-abortionists anti-abortionists yes yeah and there's this reverend black reverend that had a, a really good saying about that if you're a pro-lifer you care about the baby from the womb to the tomb if you don't follow uh, through that, then you're really not pro-life. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I'm saying. The real pro-lifers are, are, are uh, generally progressives, right? Because we're the ones fighting to give policies out there that really keeps kids alive, that keeps people alive, that keep the elderly alive. So, I mean, uh, I don't allow uh, Augie them to reframe the debate. And again, uh, Jacinta, I think she's a wonderful young lady, a very smart young lady that just has been, uh, her mind has just been, and, and most pro-lifer, people that call themselves pro-lifers, I don't think they're bad people. That is just what they, they that is just how they were programmed by, uh, by a sect in our society. And I think the way that we get to them is, first of all, we, are, we do what we do to make sure people's lives are better, but at the same time, we talked to them and, you know, uh, I think we had a, the conversation, uh, this interview was supposed to be 22 minutes. It went, it went about 43 minutes and I was able to cut five minutes because I didn't want to cut anything that changed what she had to say uh, to, you know, I didn't want to make it a biased uh, cut. So that's why I couldn't get it 
beyond 39 minutes. But anyhow, um, again, it is, it is, uh, it, what you're saying is, it's very true, sir. But anything else, Augie, before we kind of got to close this baby down? Well, and pro life, some of them, they go kill uh, doctors and nurses and staff and blow up the building. Exactly. A doctor was in church by a pro lifer. All right, Agit, thank you. I got to go, but thank you so kindly for uh, coming in. And it was great seeing you on, on, on Sunday, brother. Take care. Yeah, it was great seeing you dance. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Uh, anyhow, um, Howard, uh, uh, give me a few thoughts. I, I, yes, I'm sir. pretty sure you have some thoughts. You know, I think that Moses had it right here when she said the decision should lie between a doctor, a woman, and her God. And those are the only three that should be involved. Yes. No politicians, no government, no regulations. Just stop it. It's Agreed. a right we have. It's a right we should have. Vote them out. Think otherwise. And that's what I got to say. Now, Jack has something to add here. Jack, can you do it for me in like 30 seconds? Yeah. yeah uh, I want to talk about the universal right to be wrong. Uh, on both sides of the fence, we have to give the person the right to make the wrong decision for them because it may be the right decision for them. Love it. Love it. Folks, um, I, I thank you so kindly for the calls. Uh, thank you so kindly for listening. And also thank you for so kindly for listening to Jacinta. I'm going to try to bring other folks uh, that, you know, that doesn't necessarily share the, 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 the same views that many of us have here, but I think that's how we make change. Uh, I think we have to talk to all sides. We have to listen to all sides. And, you know, like I told Jacinta, I was hoping that she would said something that changed my mind because people do that, right? Uh, it didn't happen there. And I guess Moses and Michelle pretty much uh, points out why that didn't happen. Anyway, folks, I want to thank Jack Van Beber on the phones and and, and thank uh, Howard Reynolds for just keeping uh, that place live. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.